this 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 little stream in the background here is is the stream that runs uh, from the front of Mass Moore's house right down by the gable of Dan Foley's house, uh, a very short distance of about 20-30 yards. Um, this is the stream where the body of Mass Moore was concealed and uh, eventually discovered uh, all those years ago. So it is a significant stream and a lot of history attached to it in that it changed the life of many, many of uh, a number of people. Uh, Dan Foley, who was uh, um, portrayed as, as the murderer of, of, of Mass Moore, so it is a significant little place, a little stream. Dan Foley collapsed and died of a seizure in a field. His body was found on the marshy land he had farmed for over 50 years, not far from a deep ravine. That was 1963. It was in this ravine that five years earlier, the body of Moss Moore had been found. Moore, a 50-year-old local farmer, had been murdered and his body hidden there. Due to a long-standing feud with Moore, Foley was the only suspect. But when the guards didn't charge Dan Foley, the locals took the law into their own hands. From these events, John B. Keane was to immortalise Dan Foley as the Bull McCabe. So that you can imagine that a family who cherishes a special field will go to any lengths to hold on to it. And if you come to try to take that field, they believe that they're entitled to go to any lengths to defend it. And they won't stop short of murder in some sad instances. He did not murder Mass Moore. Um, there was no reason for him to murder Mass Moore. Um, the court case was pending and he was quite clear in his mind that he owned the land and there was no question about it. So, in effect, there was no reason for a cause for him to murder Mass Moore. The Limerick actor Richard Harris has been nominated for a Best Actor Oscar for his performance as the Bull McCabe in Jim Sheridan's adaptation of The Field. Harris is nominated alongside Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons and will discover if he is to receive an award at the March 31st ceremony, which will take place at the Shrine Civic Auditorium in Los Angeles. And then you have uh, the Oscars in Los Angeles just uh, around, you know, at, at, at the time of the movie. And it's absolutely incredible that, like, that a murder committed in most remote part of North Kerry, the most remote part of Ireland, up in literally in the middle of a bog, should reverberate all around the world from Russia to uh, to LA, you know, and at the time neither country was even talking to each other, but they both showed a huge interest in the field and you know, Kasnost hadn't even come in then. So it's it's surreal and it's absolutely incredible the way it happened. In terms of distance from Tlaib, it was remote. It was uh, mountainy, rushy, there was very little development. I mean, there had been no new, there were no new houses there. there anybody who was living there had been living there for years, and uh, most of the people were either small farmers or some of them were working in town. Rimmo was a very isolated area. The road was exceptionally bad. The road led from it was a back road from Tralee to Nagasha, but no cars would travel it, even though it was much shorter. 
there were deep ruts in the road. It had no tarred surface, and the, the community, the infrastructure was poor, and the economics aspect of it was also very poor. Uh, they would have had three or four cows each in each house, and uh, they would have turf and commonage, which was basically more turf, and uh, they would have had trouble eking out a living. They would have dole in the winter time as well. A gentle stream trickling across a narrow road, about three quarters of a mile from Raymore Cross, marks the spot where Dan Foley's house used to stand. Across the infamous field is what remains of Moore's home. The cottage's roof fell in decades ago, but its walls stand strong. The two houses are interconnected. To get to Moore's home, you must first go to Foley's. Their names, like their homes, will inextricably be linked forever. Moore for being murdered and Foley for being the suspect. Well, life has been devalued in, 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 you know, in, the, in the intervening years. Murder, murder in my younger days, uh, and I'm talking about maybe the uh, 40s and 50s, murder was a, a huge thing. It was something that wasn't a regular occurrence. And um, so it, it, it captured not alone just local headlines, but national news headlines. And the, the mass more murder was obviously captured in the national news headlines for for the reason, number one, that initially the body wasn't found, and number two, the incidents that happened around it. Uh, first of all, the first first was the, I mean, the daubing of of this boycott sign on the, on the local creamery. I mean, that was that was that was electrifying at the time. The critics at the time were demanding him to go a bit more modern in his writing and uh, write about everyday affairs. Uh, in a modern lifestyle, so he did, and it was driving him cracked. He 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 thought it was, it was he didn't like it. So uh, he was he was very upset, and it was uh, this 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 um, Morris Moore affair was coming in was coming was coming to uh, with him all the time, and it was all the time there. So Brendan Kennedy said, "Look, go back." He said, "To your roots, go back to the to the earth." And that's when he started to, to uh, write the field. Back in 1958, when the murder occurred, my father went up to the murder scene with uh, a journalist, an English journalist by the name of Michael Whale. And uh, my dad brought him up and they went up and they wanted to see Dan Foley. But Dan Foley wouldn't see them, even though I think he treated them with courtesy. He wouldn't talk to them. And um, uh, they, they just went away. But it had a huge effect on him because you've got to remember back that time, there were so few murders. I mean, every two or three days now, you know, it sounds terrible to say you have a murder, and it's it doesn't have the same impact uh, on on the population at large. It's it's probably a sad thing, but that's what it was back then. So it had a huge effect on him, you know. And um, he'd he'd just written Saive, and that came out around the same time. And it was the start of the whole breakthrough for him. And I'd say he always had it in his head, and I'm going to write about this someday. And uh, of course, he did obviously then when he wrote the field. He he, he researched it to the very end. Uh, for the Dan Perriendi, uh, he had all the people from around life. He would have them in at, at different times, different nights, and uh, talking to them about Dan Perriendi and their different uh, opinions of him. And he got the whole picture straight. But for the field, he didn't speak to anyone about it. Well, I would say he's 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 real, but he's on no he's based on no one particular individual. Particularly, he's not based totally on Dan Foley. 
the murder is there, obviously, and the whole thing, and the fact that Dan was a suspect. But no, the Bull McKay would have been would have been a composite character based on the type of people that were coming into the pub. I'd say a lot of them at the time, and uh, you know, their stories going back in those days of fellas coming in wanting to wreck the place and fight. It was a lot, a lot rougher uh, than a, the civilized place that we're recording in now. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of Bull McCabe's. I I I haven't seen a bull now for a while. But here in the bar, a bull McCabe walks in the door with, with his son Ty quite often. And uh, maybe a year or two before John died, I went upstairs to him and I said, John, I said, there's a, a bull McCabe in the bar at the moment. And very, very often I see a bull McCabe's. If you went to a fair now or a mart, you could, you could see them, you know. And you could see him dressed like he had the bull McCabe dressed, when, with the big stick in, 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 as well. And... and uh, but I didn't see one now for a while, they must be dying out. John B. Keane's The Field played all over the globe, but the origins of the play and the story of Dan Foley and Moss Moor begins in Raymore, County Kerry, in the 1950s, at a time when they were close friends. Uh, yeah, then, then, then Foley and Moss Moor were close neighbours. They cooperated uh, with the saving of the hay, the saving of the turf. Um, any little emergencies they might have, they helped one another. Um, Mas Moore regularly had tea in, in Foley's house. Um, he often had his dinner, and they were very close in every way. Uh, Moore was a very small fellow, weighing about 10 stone, and uh, Foley was very broad shouldered, a burly lad. Uh, you could imagine him uh, carrying great weights in his shoulder. They were totally different. He was uh, between 55 and 60 and very strong. Uh, Moore would have been just a, a little wisp of a fellow, really. Then the spring came, and dear master, I, I led quite a bit of turf with it. I you a bag of turf, he says. And, yes, I put me on my bicycle out of Raymore, and myself. And Moss and Dan Foley cut the turf. They were so friendly then. We cut Pat Cavanagh's today, Moss Moore's tomorrow, and Dan Foley's the day after. And we spent a few more days cutting. We wouldn't cut the turf one day. And um, what, was it, what, what was it like being in the company, working with these two men for a couple of days? Were they a good crack to hang around with? Were they a good company? They were a great company, indeed. They were very good company. And uh, as you know, Massad was not married. He lived alone. And when we come home in the evening, Mrs. Foley would have the dinner ready for us. And everything was lovely. They decided to build a boundary, a boundary fence on the moorland. between the two of them. Marshy ground on which the snipe wouldn't stay in the winter time. Oh, terrible land. It wasn't worth a trainine, as we say in Irish. The, the piece of ground that was disputed um, by Dan Foley and, and Mass Moore is just right across the stream from us here. 
uh, a very small little strip of ground. Uh, it would be no more than half an acre in in in, in area. Um, it, it's a piece of ground adjoining Moss Moor's land and uh, uh, foliage uh, as well. So the, the area was in those days sort of open and uh, maybe there was no really real boundary or no fence backing the boundary. But um, uh, Dan Foley naturally understood that it was his land and as was proven in later years, it was his land and uh, Moss Moor... Uh, thought it was like his ground, so that's how the dispute started. And disputed over uh, a boundary, Bones Ditch, and they agreed to Foley was to start the fence, and he was to start here. Uh, that agreed with his solicitor and Foley, and Foley was to start there, and he went back here, a few feet, a few feet on it, wasn't worth talking about. He went back into Moors, he started there. There was a court case um, planned uh, where it was to be decided. But of course you had the other element then where, where um, locals sort of played on Moss Moor and they, they, they sort of um, blew it into, into to the proportion that it was not. It was... Well, uh, when, the, when the, the, the court, there was a court case... There was a court case going to be coming up, you know, and and uh, I said it to, to Dan Foley, I said, I said uh, it's only waste of money, I said, it should cost someone money, and he said, uh, there'll only be one man around for that court case, he said, and he said, uh, you see down the parish, he said there was two neighbours always arguing there, he said there's green grass around the two doors there today, he said, and it won't be long until there's green grass around the two doors open. Uh, I was dealing with petty crime here in town at the time. And I was dealing with petty crime literally here indeed. But anyway, a phone call comes to the station this particular day looking for a pet cabinet. And as it just happened, I had to be I, I happened to be in the station interviewing a young boy. Yes. For some petty crime. And Yes, must move on the phone from the post office in Queldo. Not so far from Raymore, on the tree side of Raymore. That, po- that post office is not there today. Uh, Pat Dan Foley is tormenting me. Would you come out to me, please? I'd like to have a talk with you. A worse to that effect. Yes, Moss, I will call to see you. I was so bloody busy with dealing with young lads. The day slipped. And the next thing, three men from Raymore arrived into the guard station, reporting that Moss Moore was missing for the past two days. Yeah, he said he was watched at night. We used to go playing cards down to Collins's, Moss Moore and myself. And and uh, he said he'd over and over with a flash lamp watching me, but I'd go a different way tonight, he said. You know? Moss Moore was down at the house.
playing, I think it was a Collins house, playing cards, and it was a weekly card school. He left about half ten, I think, to go to his home, and he'd uh, been wearing a cap, an overcoat, carrying a stick, and a bicycle lamp. And he wasn't seen after that. But playing cards in um, Mrs. Coll- Julia Collins's house, and then Teddy Shukra walked him as far as the cross near his home and said good night to him. And that was about twenty past ten that night. And Moss Moore wasn't seen anymore after that, not alive. So what happened between there and subsequent is all a matter of of, of history or, or or non-history, if you like. Moss Moore told his friends when he was out playing cards at night that that he felt he was being watched at night. And I think that the inference was pretty clear that that, that it was his neighbour, Dan Forty, who was watching him. So when when uh, when the people of Raymore went to the barracks to report Moss Moore missing, they were, were reporting a murder, which was an extraordinary thing because there was not nobody, nobody knew what had happened, and nobody, in truth still knows what uh, what happened then because there were no witnesses. Oh, I knew very well. I knew very well what had happened when when, when he was missing, when Mass Moore was missing. I knew very well what had happened. I went over. In the morning before Moore was missing, I think, I think it was a Friday morning, was it? I'm not sure now. But the morning, the day before that, I met Dan Foley, going to Dan Foley and his wife going to town on the bonnet trap and his lip was split and I asked him what happened to his lip and he said he got a book from a cow. Well, I don't know, it, it, it could happen of course that that, it, that a cow would split your lip but you know, I doubt it. Sure. I, 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 didn't, I, went up, I went up to Moors and I went to Moors first and there was no trace of anything. So I went down to Forley's and I met Mrs. Forley. And I asked her, no, did I see Moss Moore? And she said, no. I said, he's missing. He didn't eat the own. The pigs, uh, pigs are hungry, but I said, and things. And uh, she said, he, he might be going up the country working, she said. I said, how would he leave his, how would he leave his cattle, his two cattle, his two cows and his two pigs there and go away up the country working without telling someone. So... That was that then. We went uh, we went to Moore's brother then and we told him and we went to the guards barracks and uh, I told the guards when I went in, we told the, we were talking to him inside to the guards and I said, You're looking for a dead man And I wanted to know no how did I know that you <laughs> were dead and I said, I know he did it. You know? Uh the sergeant, there was a sergeant Mitchell in the day room. Uh, I embassy men today and sergeant Mitchell would go along with you. Oh no, Pat, they said you'd have to come along with yourself. And yes, I went out to railroad with them in the vehicle. Sure. Um, you first of all called, called up to Moss Moore's house. What, what scene did you discover there? The staple and the door was pulled, uh, locked gone. Uh, 
I feel the least disturbed in the house. Gives you the impression that it was a, that was a housebreaking. You know, that it was a housebreaking. Yes. And then I called down to Dan Foley. I had a conversation with him. What do you think happened much more? And his answer to me was, uh, uh, Pat, don't you know, didn't you know that Dan Foley, that Moss Moore, was a very weak person and that he probably fell into some bug hole. But you knew Moss Moore. Um, I knew Moss Moore to be hardy, little man, yeah. not delicate. He wouldn't fall into a bug hole. Uh, he wouldn't fall into a bug hole, a place that he knew yeah. could travel with his eyes closed. Uh, Garthy and Kerry have widened the search for the missing farmer Morris Moore, who was last seen over a week ago on his way home after playing cards. Neighbours claim the 50-year-old farmer may have been murdered in a land dispute. Garthy and local volunteers searched the bog surrounding Mr Moore's farm in Raymore, but so far have recovered nothing. He, he was, went missing on, the, on I think it was the, the 6th of November, and it was eight or nine days later that the body was found. Within, a, within, I'd say, 50 yards of Moss Moore's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the extraordinary uh, result because it was generally assumed that, it, and it was reasonable to assume that, the search for Moss Moore would have started at his house. And as it happened, it went, the search went over the mountains, I mean, from miles from his home. When, um, and people joined in the search. And, of course, people trampled all over the, the site where eventually the body was found. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a, a, a prayer of getting, uh, of a chance of getting, of, of getting any footprints or anything like that. Garthy have confirmed that the body recovered yesterday in Raymore in County Kerry is that of missing farmer Moss Moore. Garthy stated the 50-year-old farmer, who had been missing for 10 days, was strangled and his body hidden in a ravine 20 yards from his house. Garthy say they are following a definite line of inquiry. Uh, over 12 years, the country had 54 murders. Uh, that was information given by the Minister for Justice and the Dáil. And of the 54, uh, the police had scored great success in solving 52 of them. So there were only two unsolved murders in 12 years. It was uh, very dramatic. Uh, people were coming from all sorts of places, far away as, as Cork, Limerick uh, and Fonderafield. You had a whole team of journalists, of uh, guards and people investigating the crime. Um, it was a huge event at the time, not like nowadays, of course, murder is not treated in the same thing, but then it was, it was huge. Sure. Uh, you had throngs of people, continuous uh, people uh, there, uh, cars, and those days, of course, were, were not uh, very numerous, but the, the place you couldn't park a car or you, you couldn't get in and out of the place with, with traffic. He, he, was, he, he was at Massey Moore's murder himself, at his burial. Uh, and knelt at the graveside. Uh, I remember uh, Chief Superintendent Lawler, head of the murder squad at the time, uh, saying it was the first time he ever saw a chief suspect photograph kneeling at the grave of the victim. It, it quite amused him. Uh, 
a man who had great regard for Masmur brought his gun at a graveyard, but his neighbour advised him to put the gun away. Some believed the discovery of the body in the ravine was confirmation that only Dan Foley could have murdered Masmur. Others saw the discovery of the body in the ravine as proof of Foley's innocence as he drank water from the stream. Well, I would I mean, I think that the, the, it was generally accepted at the time that the, that the murder took place where the body was hidden, that, that Mossmoor went home. He had, two, two, he had a choice of going home two ways. One was a muddy, uncontroversial way. The other was, was I suppose, a drier... It was a, it was a high ditch... Uh, but it was a controversial way. It was next. It, the, the, it was a long way down for his house. So I, I remember it, it was conjectured at the time that, that uh, Moss was taunting Dan Foley, hmm. and that he decided to go home this way and but give give Dan Foley the two fingers. Hmm. But then that's where they that's where they they met, and of course there was no contest. There would have been no contest if if Dan Foley was the person. There would have been no contest between Moss Moore and Dan Foley because Moss Moore was a, a, a bit of a, weak, a weakling. There would have been no fight in him at all. He was very thin uh, and compared with Dan Foley, who was a powerful barrel-chested man. The, the, the finding of the cap directly on the bushes, directly over the body when it was discovered, um, that, if you've taken it on its own, um, Dan Foley was under surveillance for 24 hours. He, he, just, he couldn't go into the toilet without being observed, nor any member of the household co- couldn't do anything. Um, how the cap appeared there um, at that particular time, it hadn't been there previously uh, during the search of the time that the, body, that the, the, the mass Moore was missing because people were walking along that particular place continuously, a stream of people, and they, somebody would have seen the cap, but it suddenly the cap suddenly appeared in this position over the body um, on the Saturday evening. So, like that alone, if you take that alone, how could Dan Foley put the cap there? How would Dan Foley um, continue to use the water from the stream for drinking purposes? It was their only source of water, and knowing that there was a body inside of it, inside in the stream, I don't think any human being would drink water knowing that there was a dead body inside in it. So if you take that, those are only one or two instances of, of why um, one would, 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 would um, come to the conclusion that Dan Foley was innocent. Well, uh, when, uh, uh, sometime in December, this was going on for a long time, because I'd stayed, I'd been ordered by the Irish press uh, to stay there for three weeks every day in case there was an arrest or any activity happening. And uh, sometime after that, I was downtown, and a detective who was on the case, Donny Collins, came to me and questioned me about having tea in the house. And uh, I said, so what? And he said, well, do you know where the water came from? I said, no. He said, it came from the drain where the body was when you were drinking it. And I said, I didn't mind about that, that the water was boiled anyway. The Pope was that be. Yes, they went to the house to arrest him. And Dan Foley said, I'll go in my pony and trap pieces to the station. Which he did. And came home again, driving his pony and trap. 
you yourself put the allegations to Dan Foley that he may have murdered. Uh, I did. I told, I told him what they were saying that uh, they're alleging that he murdered Matthew Moore, and his, his reply is always the same: "Let him go into court and swear their perjury." But he never said anything against Massey Moore or favourable and wasn't inclined to discuss it in depth. And has it made sense to you, that kind of statement? As a, uh, Dan Foley is one of the most in, was one of the most independent-minded Kelly men I've met. That you, you meet these quite often around and they're a distinctive breed of people and his reply to me that I'm going to court and swear their perjury was what I would say typical and I would expect it He believed that, that the, the, the events between himself and the, the dispute between himself and Moss Moore uh, was used by others um, for their own purposes and uh, the, the, the whole thing went wrong and Moss Moore had to be um, silenced uh, that would be uh, saying it in, in, in without naming names of people are involving oneself. He was he was he was framed, and that was to, the 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 total picture: a framing of Dan Foley, um, for the the me the betterment of others who had a huge requirement for cash at the time. And as I said before, I firmly believe, and I would be. And almost a hundred percent sure that Moss Moore did have substantial money uh, hidden away in the house or in 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 on his possession, and uh, the only way that money could have been got was to uh, uh, murder Moss Moore, and that's exactly how it happened. A total framing. There was never to be an arrest. Foley's family blamed the police for not catching the real murderer. Locals blamed the police for not catching Foley. Insufficient evidence to prosecute, that was uh, written on the file. And I think the police, the Gardaí at the time, were gobsmacked because they felt that uh, it was more or less an open and shut case. Now, I don't know on what basis they made that decision, but but again, going back to, to um, a credible alternative, I mean, all the circumstantial evidence was very strong that, that Dan Foley was a murderer. But again, there was, there was nothing... To connect, there was no, no, nobody, no witness to put him on the put him on the uh, on the site of the murder. As a guard yourself, and have you worked with um, some of the guys that came down from Kerry? Why do you think Dan Foley was never prosecuted? Because there wasn't no evidence against him, no no concrete evidence against him. Uh, a lonely, uh, not a lonely. Well, you could all lonely at night time. Indeed, nobody's stirring. Everybody in bed, and nobody heard anything, nobody saw anything, and the poor people had no evidence for us. And there was no DNA on those, just as you know. When the body was found, the police activity ended and they took a weekend off, the special branch people. One was recalled uh, to the scene, but they held the, the crime scene, if it was his house wasn't protected and his nephews and the neighbours held awake in the house on the Sunday night and on Monday morning the police arrived and then protect the house and fingerprint the house but the wake had already been held there so they had missed the bus even though they were there for 10 days 
there was suspicion all the time and uh, and, and if Dan Foley was uh, charged and found innocent it would have cleared the air there was, but there was this this thing was in the air all the, for years afterwards and you know the, there were shots being fired at his house and there was a, a bomb went off in a ditch opposite his house uh, it, that that was that created an atmosphere in the Raymore area at the time. Yeah, he 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 was continuously under 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 um, the eyes of somebody. There were people, if there weren't police or guards, there was somebody looking through the window or um, watching him doing whatever he had to do. Um, his whole life became sort of a, a public a circus. Uh, for people to to uh, whatever to look at or to to, to uh, draw their own amusements or whatever or why they should they should uh, be concerned with what Dan Foley done I don't know but uh, his whole life was turned upside down he he was he was put under huge pressure by the the locals um, they boycotted him and um, they his milk was refused at the creamery he couldn't sell stock or couldn't buy feed for stock or anything like that and uh, there were um, different attempts at, at maybe at his life if you like there were uh, shots uh, fired through the window of his house uh, there was a bomb placed in the ditch outside his house um, you know one would wonder at the, 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 the purpose of all of it that was an incredible uh, sentence for anybody to impose, but that was the way it was, uh, and that was the uh, obviously the the Moss Moore had had uh, won the sympathy of the people, and um, his his neighbours and friends, and, and I suppose they were they were the motivators of the whole campaign of boycott. The reaction was. Tis a pity they didn't kill him. <laughs> that was... That was... Oh, it's straight. That was the reaction. No. Mm-hmm. Tis a pity they didn't kill him. Which, that'd be two murders, eh? Dan Foley himself told me, told me that uh, that one day I met him on the road near, near his house. He says, I wasn't... I didn't do that murder. I didn't c- kill Moss Moore. And in, 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 in if he didn't, you'd have to have huge sympathy for him because of the nature of the hostility. Uh, which he had to endure, and, and his wife had to endure in his lifetime. In that, that part of his lifetime, he 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 didn't recover. He 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 had a very lonesome life. Um, he, he lived in with his brother Michael in the house, and his wife Nora. They lived in isolation, if you like, and um, uh, they just had to carry on as best they could. It had definitely a bad effect on him, and uh, would be, I would believe that it led to his early, early death. Dan Foley, the prime suspect in the murder of Morris Moore, collapsed and died today on his Kerry farm. He was 63 years of age. Mr Foley died while tending land, not far from where the murdered body of Morris Moore was recovered in 1958. He is not to be buried locally. As I told you, Dan Foley... <coughs> was his own, and he was cut away from the people. He had arranged, he must have, of course, arranged everything in regard to his death. And the people were surprised that he was not buried 
in Raymore, in New Britain graveyard, where all his ancestors are lying today. But instead of that, he is buried below in Raw in Trillian in New Graveyard of his own. Yes, people were surprised at that. Why do you think your uncle buried um, Dan Foley in Tralee? What do you think his reasoning was? Because you did have a family, family plot out there. Um, I suppose because of, of, of the, the, the general feeling in the area and, and the boycott and that, I suppose maybe they wanted to, to remove the funeral and uh, the whole thing from the area and, and take it into Tralee. I don't know. I, as I said, I was young at the time and I had no say or... or, or maybe opinions about it at the time but uh, things have changed since then and of course I have my own views now and that that he should have been buried in Aubrey. Nora Foley died in 1981 after living over a decade and a half on the side of a mountain alone. Her death meant both Dan Foley and Moss Moore's homes were unoccupied. The Moss Moore's house I'm standing right in front of it across the stream uh, nothing remains, only the, the walls, the gables sticking up. Um, it is about less than 50 yards uh, directly at the back of Dan Foley's house. Nothing remains of Dan Foley's house now except the, the kitchen floor can be, you know, you can, you can see the, the area of the kitchen floor, the concrete and that. But all the walls have been demolished and the whole area has changed totally. I love to visit this place and come up here uh, all the time. Um, I bought it uh, after, after my, uncle's hus- uh, hus- uh, my uncle's wife died and she, she naturally um, owned the place and she left it to her niece. Her niece sold it uh, and I bought it uh, uh, some time later and uh, I own the land now and um, I come up here quite often uh, I like to visit here it's very quiet, very remote very peaceful area um, there's very little happens here uh, you rarely see anybody when you come here uh, it's amazing and all the activity that went on here um, there was kids and music and dancing there was uh, it was a, a very a very happy area at one time but all that has passed The field ends with the Bull McCabe saying that he'll remember the murder long after it's been forgotten. And in a way, whether he was innocent or guilty, Dan Foley suffered the same fate, living in isolation with Moss Moore's empty cottage behind him and the grass growing green around it. The grass won't be green on his grave before he's forgotten by all. By all except me. The disputed field is still there. In the late 90s, Quilcher, the Irish Forestry Board, determined the disputed land actually belonged to the Foley estate. But by then, Moss Moor and Dan Foley were dead over 35 years, and the field they'd fought over had become overgrown with briars, reeds and heather. <laughs> 